How do you feel inside your space and use it is the biggest part of my design. You don't really get from a photo. When people walk into our, our newly renovated and designed house that I just finished, he's like, Carrie, you have to hear the noises that come out of people. <laughs> like, they actually just make noises. They're like, ah, ooh, ah. Like, you know, it's like making all these like noises and telling you how they feel in a space. I just love listening in to what people said, you know, like the feedback. Welcome to episode 151 of the AFT Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Levitt. And in this episode, we are fortunate to host Kara Woodhouse. And karawoodhouse.com, this is her website, but she is an interior designer. She's working with furniture manufacturers on her own line. She's been nationally published by Lux and Vogue, Forbes Magazine, Domino, House Beautiful, so many more. She's lived in London, Los Angeles, and now New York. She has an amazing design palette. She's worked for some very high-end clients all throughout the world, super talented, and she's built just an incredible business. She shares so much insight on her rise to where she's at today, how she got here, you know, what's built her success, you know, her hiring practice, so much valuable information. So without further ado, let's get started. This past May, we had an amazing contractor coalition summit. This was in Nashville with Nick Schiffer from Menace Builders and Morgan Molitor from Construction to Style out of Minnesota. And we are now up for our second round of the Contractor Coalition Summit that'll be in Huntington Beach from Sunday, November 6th through Wednesday, November 9th. Go to ContractorCoalitionSummit.com, sign up, register. We have some amazing partners that'll be there sponsoring the event, amazing attendees that have already signed up. It's limited seating. We're only allowing 30 to attend. And again, this will be all things pricing, profitability, contracting, client expectations, scheduling, and of course, marketing and social media. Everything that we wish we knew in our business from the very beginning is all going to be wrapped up into just a couple of days. So we'll see you there in Huntington Beach in November. So welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast, and we have Kara Woodhouse with us. Welcome, Kara. Hi, how are you? Very good. I'm excited to have you on. So Kara is the principal of Kara Woodhouse Interiors. And I have to say, you know, we've been Instagram friends for quite some time, for a couple of years now through Instagram. And, um, I've, I've taken note of a lot of the stuff you post and have done like for a long time. And especially that bedroom, you had done that bedroom in the Hamptons. Uh, I think the Hampton holiday house, which is one of my all time favorites I've seen recirculated all through Instagram. And, uh, so again, I think not, not that that put you on the mark. You've had a lot of things put you on the mark up until now. <laughs> well, thank you. That's very sweet. Yeah. So let me ask you this. I think it's really unique. Your style is super unique. So again, I know we'll have your social media and everything tagged for everyone listening to go follow you. How do you feel that it's impacted your design having lived in LA, London, now you know, New York, you know, in these amazing, you know, design cities? I mean, travel and living and experiencing different places, you get exposed to different cultures and ways of living, and it all has an impact. I always say traveling is like one of the number one things that inspires me. Um, We just actually came back from Florence, Italy, a few weeks ago, and so inspired by more, I want to say, like exterior um, the way that they do things there. And also we stayed at a hotel and this is something that inspired me that I think needs to be brought to the U S is eating at a restaurant and you have a woman has a bag or a purse or something and they see you and they come run over and put a stool there for you to put your bag down, which I thought was oh, like that's amazing, unbelievable. And it's like such a simple thing. You could have like a little table or a little stool. I was like, this needs to be brought to the U.S. And the attention to detail of how they live and everything. You know, I pick that up everywhere I go. You know, everywhere I travel, everywhere I experience different beautiful hotels and places. It has such an impact on my designs for sure. So let me ask you this, because one of the common themes whenever I interview architects and designers is, yes, I mean, so much inspiration comes from traveling, right? You're in these cities mm-hmm. and these hotels, restaurants. Are there certain things you're looking for? You mentioned the purse is a great example that, you know, for, for women, you know, as they're carrying their bag, they come in and sit down. It's like, do I hang it? You know, do I put it at my feet? Do I hang it behind me on the chair? And so you mentioned the stool. I mean, so are you looking for like certain design elements that you may implement? Maybe it's a unique bathroom or unique, you know, like lobby area. 100%. I mean, it's so different and things that catch my eye 
are, you know, different in different places. And the, I think also part of design, which it's not just visual, it's also functional, how you live, how you experience a space and all the comforts that go into a space and how you live. Like that's a, a comfort, right? Having someone bring that for you. And how do you feel inside your space and use it is the biggest part of my design. You don't really get from a photo. When people walk into our, our newly renovated and designed house that I just finished, he's like, Carrie, you have to hear the noises that come out of people. <laughs> like they actually just make noises They're like, ah, ooh, ah. Like, you know, it's like making all these like noises and telling you how they feel in a space. I just love listening in to what people said, you know, like the feedback and we had to come up with themes and mine was like dream. That was like my whole make it like really ethereal and dreamy. And literally everybody was like, this is so dreamy. I feel so safe and warm. I don't want to leave. Like, you know, like hearing and hearing noises and things come yeah. out of people. So, yeah, I mean, going back to the travel, I'm going to bring it back. But um, so, yeah, like how you experience a space and how or, you know, just where you are, your environment around you. I definitely pay so much attention to that. But when I'm traveling, it could be anything from, you know, seeing a pattern on a marble floor inside a cathedral to a door or seeing the use of marble in Italy. You know, we stayed at the chateau for a friend's wedding there and like, it was literally, and I'm obsessed with stone and marble. That's like something that I don't know is like very me. But noticing all these sinks that are just carved, massive, massive sinks carved out of marble and the shapes and the things that definitely inspires me, as well as lifestyle, living, different cultures of how people, you know, function as humans. And it's different everywhere. So let me ask you this. Do you find, you know, you mentioned the functionality, right, of a space and design, like how important that is. Are there elements of maybe the service side as you've stayed at different hotels, you know, maybe their customer service or how they treat you? Have you implemented, you know, maybe that mentality or methodology, like as you communicate with clients and, you know, your brand? Because I'm sure, you know, the personalities vary from your clientele. And so that can be yeah. a little bit different how you communicate with them. Well, yes and no. I As far as like, communicating i I'm, i have like a, so much attention to detail so i you know down to where like a light switch is on the wall or you know what should be electrified sheets curtains you know next to your bedside you want to easily plug in a phone things like this kitchens how they function some people are like you know connoisseurs at cooking and the kitchen and that sort of thing. So every detail in every space needs to get attention, like living in a hotel. And there's ranges of hotels, right? Like there's like the basics and then there's like the luxury. So, you know, I'm definitely more the luxury, making everything very unique and um, unique experience for every one of my clients because not everybody lives the same. So... You know, but I and sometimes I bring things up to clients, like all the options that there are. And they're like, oh, like, I didn't even know that that's a thing. I didn't know that that's available. So I like to kind of educate them with what's out there, all the possibilities and how to make your living experience in your home functional, luxurious and comfortable, you know, and just like the ultimate living situation, like within your home. I, I love those words you said, you know, functional, comfortable, luxurious, right? And if you can implement yeah. the design, right, the client's going to be super happy, you know, yeah. at the end. And what's, what's unique about your style care, like if anyone, you know, again, I'm fascinated by everything you post on Instagram. I think it's it's so unique. Like I've never seen a profile such as yours. So clientele, I'm sure, come to you, you know, because you have this very, I shouldn't say unique style, but are all the clients, you know, are they are they open to you to say, hey, care like the pink bedroom? you know, the dreamy style, we're open to that. Do you ever have clients, you know, push back maybe on a different style or how do you, you know, what's the versatility you're seeing from the, from the demand? Well, so this is the thing that I think a lot of people don't know about me is that I've been in this industry for a little over 25 years and I 
you know, have evolved through my career. So in the very beginning of my career, I actually designed the most traditional homes you've ever seen, shopping at Sotheby's and Christie's and fine antiques. And I'm very well versed on time periods, historical styles, all of that. And as my career has grown and evolved, you know, I kind of transitioned into different designs. So I really like I'm not a one trick pony. I'm not one thing. Um, you know, my newer designs that people see and what I'm drawn to now is what people see and what I put out there and what I enjoy designing. But no, I mean, I'm working on right now a historical home on this like beautiful compound on the water. And it's, um, you know, an amazing piece of history, this house. And we are, we added an addition. We actually raised the house and put a whole new foundation to put a basement down below. And the husband of, you know, my client, he's a traditionalist and loves traditional. And his wife is very modern. So I am definitely marrying the two and putting it together, but it's not my usual design, but it's going to be incredible. And I'm so excited about it. You know, I, I love, I think every client is in, in like such an individual, their projects, the architecture, the location where it is. I think all these things really depict what is, you know, what inspires the design and you know, I, I'm not pushy with my design, like, like how I design, I don't push clients to do things that they're uncomfortable with. And if, and I do get pushback on things, but I'll explain why there's like always a reason and explain why, you know, I don't suggest it or I do suggest it because some people are just like, no, you know, that's not happening. I would never treat a client like that. And always kind of give them my knowledge and reasoning for why I'm suggesting things. And that's why they hire me to give my opinion and my professionalism and my experience and all those things. So, um, but no, I do everything, but, um, you know, I, I do have fun with like the style of the pink bedrooms and doing kinds of, I just can't, Someone was like, "What's your style?" I'm like, "Whimsical." I don't know. Like, <laughs> like I don't even know. People are like, "What's your style?" It is whimsical. It is funky and cool. I do try to be creative and and create and be innovative and explore. How can we do this? How can we do this different? How can we make this? You know, just like a cool piece. It's art. You know. Well, what I love that you said, and you said this early on, Kara, is that you mentioned that, you know, even in your career, right, there's a lot of education, like you understand time periods, you understand styles, right, and how that's evolved. And having lived in these different cities, going to Europe, where you have these very old historical buildings, and a lot of them have been modernized now, you know, from exterior to interior. And so the advantage, and, and I found as a builder, like some of the best relationships I have with designers such as yourself, you know, that are really create these masterpieces our designers that really understand construction like you said to be involved in a in an old house it's going to have new foundation and addition i mean this is not easy stuff it's super complicated so to understand that aspect i mean it just shows that you know no one's an overnight success especially in the design construction world and so it just shows i mean there's uh, speak to maybe just how that's evolving you know the education understanding just building in general and how that in, you know applies to design because I, I would imagine that makes you a better resource for your clients as well. 100%. I mean, I always say, and like, you know, a lot of my employees that come on with me and on my team, on my team, I think school and going to design school and learning all the programs and all of, you know, the technical things, it's a foundation, but really experience is on-job experience. It's the best experience you'll ever have um, working for good people and being exposed to all these things. But, you know, construction, in the beginning of my career, I was very overwhelmed by it, you know, and I was like, I couldn't even like wrap my head around it. It was like, (laughs) I was like, what I'm like, it was just, it was like a lot. And as the years have gone by, actually, I love the architecture. I love construction. I love a job site. 
um, and really working through as a team with, I've been able to work with some incredible architects and, and builders and contractors that, you know, I'm so interested. And I always say, like, if I had the time, I would get my hands dirty and want to like be on a job site and like lay pile down and like make stuff because I just think it's like fascinating that, you know, the craftsmanship and all the details and like really understanding it and learning it. Um, such a huge span of knowledge over my career that I've learned. And, you know, now I really only take on projects that involve either, you know, from the ground up or major gut renovations, because I just feel like from a design standpoint, I feel like it's so incredible to have the vision from the beginning with a team and creating the home and the design, like doing it as a whole is just, um, I don't know, it's so rewarding seeing that, you know, and being part of that. So, and we do a lot of project management, like for, you know, overseeing the construction architects. I even shop for, with clients for properties and, good architects and builders and all of that was so involved in it. I love that. I mean, you mentioned this early on in the conversation when you went to Italy and you were over there that you said, you know, you, you were paying a lot of attention to the exteriors, right? Exteriors of these buildings and the design. And I think it was Florence, right? You were just at. And so how involved, and you kind of alluded to this, you know, from a project management side, I would imagine, especially with the expertise and skill set and education you have now that clients are leaning on you a lot more to say, hey, care, we want to have you involved in the exterior. You know, the architect may drive it, but let's have you bring your input in. You know, what, what do you think, right? Yes, 100%. And I, I always tell clients this, that I feel like a lot of architects, and not to, you know, say that they're one thing, but a lot of them that I've worked with kind of view space from like the outside in. And I always say a designer really looks at the space from the inside out you know, and all the details. And I feel like I, I'm pro I probably should have been an architect. I and I was actually in my, the beginning of my career, I was contemplating, you know, going after design school, going to get my architectural degree. But, um, I, and I didn't, but you know, we do, we, we do a lot of the plans and submit them to architects. We do all the elevations um, we, we don't do construction drawings, but right. we work out that on site sometimes with builders, like, you know, how to kind of maneuver things on site when things have to change. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very involved in it. We do like pretty much all the layouts and everything and submit them to architects and work as a team with them. So I think yeah. it's fascinating about you, Cares, that, you know, one thing is, you know, um, as we're speaking about here, just just the career path of education as you become, you know, build your name and reputation design. But but there's another level here. And you mentioned earlier, you're like, hey, you know, I, I've always wanted to create stuff or build stuff or, you know, install tile. But here you are now with essentially your own furniture line, right? You're working with well-known companies like products, designing your own products, you know, vanity stuff. You know, speak to that, just, you know, taking that career to next level, how do these relationships get kicked off with these vendors where now they want to look at you to collaborate and start building a product line? So, you know, I feel I'm like so humble, like, you know, that my career is where it is and I have all this exposure and leverage with my social media and all those things. And I do not take that for granted for a second. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I am a creator. I originally, originally, before I even went to school, I was an artist. I wanted to be a fine artist. And I was discouraged by my my parents who told me I was going to be a struggling, starving artist. So <laughs> I had to find my path another way. So I definitely um, consider myself to be an artist, you know, in all interior designers, anything in creative, you are an artist of some sort. And I love designing product. Um, I had a jewelry business too a long time ago. I, I did a jewelry collaboration, you know, a year ago. And, you know, it's just an outlet for me to be creative because it's literally my joy. You know, I love what I do. I love creating. I see things. I envision things. And um, 
you know, I've been lucky enough to do these amazing collaborations. I have more coming, which I'm like so excited to be part of that and um and continue like doing that. It's just like another sector of my design career, you know. So so how yeah, how does that door open when you think about just your, you know, evolution in design? you know, in architecture, how well involved you are, but then, you know, you work with brands and products and of course the next level is the designers building these relationships with vendors and having your own accounts and trade accounts and, you know, that versatility and bandwidth to have all these different products offered to your customers. And then the knowledge of where to find different finishes all throughout the country and world. How does it get to that level where now it's like, now there's co-collaboration that doors open. We're like, okay, Kara, maybe you've been purchasing from us. We love your work. We actually want you to design the piece, right? That's the Care Woodhouse piece. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a mixture. Um, some of the collaborations, I reached out. You know, I had my my team reach out and say, we would love to do something with you. Um, and then some others randomly have reached out or they have been, you know, I've been working with people and they're like, we want to do something with you. You know, it's, it's really been like a very... Um, somewhat like organic way of working, you know, and now I'm like, I, I also have an amazing PR team. I also have um, somebody who ha- handles licensing deals and all the influencer stuff for me, which is amazing. And now it's come to the point, they're like, put together a list, like who are your top, you know, five, 10, whatever people that you would like to do something. Um, you know, but I think there, there's just so much that I could do. There's just so much time in a day. I am busy, you know, first and foremost is my interior design business. And I feel like this is just kind of like the icing on the cake. And it's like a fun project for me to be creative, but I am definitely selective and want to do kind of limited amounts of it right now that could change, you know, but um, yeah, it's like what what inspires me or what I feel I want to put out in the market. And, you know, it's kind of been like that. So what made you choose to go on Instagram? I know now you've had tremendous success. I think now you're over 600,000 followers, you know, speak <laughs> to that growth. I mean, did you ever imagine it would take off in the in the manner it did? No, I definitely did not. <laughs> um I know it's really interesting. So I actually, well, I've had a couple of business partners like through my career. I've had several different um, design firms. And when my last business partner and I split up in 2016, she wanted Instagram and I actually wanted house at the time, which like no one goes on house anymore. So I'm like, all right, I'm like, you take the Instagram, I'll take house. And then I just, you know, had to build it again. And Luckily, my husband is like an amazing, he's an advertising, he's a creative director. Well, he just started his own agency, but he always gives me like little snippets of like advice all the time. And one of his biggest pieces of advice at the time when we split, he's like, you got to build your Instagram and like giving me like all these like suggestions. And I was like, all right, like when you give me advice, I'm like, I'm on it. It doesn't happen all the time, but like when you get <laughs> I'll take it and I'll roll with it. So really like thanks to him, he kind of like pushed me and then I got like really into it. And I felt like, you know, being consistent and putting out there, you know, I always, people are like, how do you find things to post? Like I always say, I get like this feeling, this like, it's almost like a buzz where I know it's like, that's amazing, you know, and I just like want to put it out there. And that's, you know, it's all from my gut and my feeling of, you know, imagery and all of that. I handle all of the Instagram posts myself. It's all content coming from me. Um, So yeah, that's how it kind of got rolling. And I really stuck with it. I think you have to be um, consistent and you definitely have to engage and, you know, it's grown. (laughs) <laughs> so what other social, are you doing any other social media platforms besides Instagram? <sighs> this is like, you know, so, well, now my, my husband's newest <laughs> advice, he's like, 
you have to get on TikTok. It's like already almost over. Okay. Get on TikTok. And so I'm like, okay, meanwhile, I can't even like put reels together on Instagram. I'm like trying and I don't have time. It's like putting together productions. I know you're really good at putting together amazing content, especially like video content. But um, I need to, no, I'm not. Like I have accounts, but no, it's not developed. It's not my Instagram, you know, I'm on Pinterest, but you know, it's like, you know, I don't push it. I put a lot of time into Instagram, you know, and that's like. Well, well, it's interesting. You alluded to this. I mean, a lot of people are looking for uh, lack of a better word, maybe a shortcut to Instagram, right? Maybe how to beat the system or create this magic algorithm. And and the reality is, as you mentioned, it's consistency, right? Like you post every day, you're yep. super consistent, you have great content. And that's the thing, good content, you engage, you know, how has Instagram opened up, you know, just different opportunities for you, whether it be the furniture line or just relationships in general, you know, to expand your business. So, yeah, I mean, well, one, I have like friends like you, you know, right. we're on here. That's- yeah. You know, I think it's, for like so many things. I think it's definitely brought the design community together, which is amazing because I think there's like this old school mentality to design where it was so competitive and so secretive and like no one shared any information. And now I feel like everyone's kind of like joins, like we're all in this together, you know, and it's an amazing community being friends with a lot of designers and peers. I've done also a lot of new upcoming designers. I do a lot of mentoring and give a lot of advice and share, you know, from my experience down to definitely, I mean, I was always a word of mouth. I always did very high end um, residential design and commercial design, but I, um, you know, it's now a different thing. You know, people have seen my work on Instagram and they're contacting me for projects and some amazing projects. So, you know, that's definitely helped my business tons and the collabs and the licensing deals and all those things, you know, and also it's like a marketing tool. This is how people, you know, working with influencers and people with large Instagrams, they're looking, it's a new way of marketing. So all of those opportunities that I've had are amazing, which is also really, I I think a very fun part of it, you know? Yeah. Um, It's funny because you mentioned the marketing. I mean, I think about it this way. I I found that especially in the last year and a half, customers come to me before, you know, many people are driven by the website and the website's still important. You have to have a landing page and SEO and Google and all that stuff is tied to it. But what's interesting is clients always come to me now and they're like, Hey, Brad, who do you recommend, you know, for designer architecture? What's your Instagram handle? Right. That's the thing. Right. Or, or I've had clients reach out and they're like, Hey, I looked up so-and-so, but their Instagram's no good. Like I don't want to right. use them. Or, you know, or, and, and just a funny thing is like on, on a small level, they're like their photos are blurry or like their posts, like they're not spelling right. They're not doing spell check and not correct punctuation. I mean, it's these little things that maybe we're not paying attention to, but, the clients, I mean, they're, they're looking at this stuff, you know, 100%, 100%. Yeah. And, 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 and so what's interesting too, Carrie, is you speak about just the collaboration and, and construction is kind of funny this way. When I was young in my career, um, I, I found that there was a lot of resistance, right? People weren't willing to share, especially contractors, right? Like my mm-hmm. competitors here, they're not willing to share information. And then Instagram opens up this huge channel, like we're on networking with contractors specifically all over the country. They're like, hey, Brad, here's how we do things. I'm not a competitor. You know, you build these friendships. Have you found value just in the designer side? Other designers saying, not trade secrets, but here's how I price. Here's how I do with these clients. I mean, do you ever get to that level with some of your design community? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we've sent each other our contracts. You know, there's like, (laughs) this is the other thing too is like, there, there's no standard fee structure for the interior design world. There's a fee structure for builders and and construction. Mm-hmm. There's like a ball, you know, it's like kind of in yeah. the range. There's like super high end, mid and low, but like it's pretty much consistent. So in the interior design world, there is not really a standard of how people work. So it is definitely fascinating to see people's business models and how they're billing 
There's also, you know, war stories with clients and mishaps and how do you handle it? Has anyone experienced this, you know, down to I'm doing a project in L.A.? Does anyone know, uh, you know, a good marble vendor or a receiving company or a contractor or whatever? Where should I go shopping? You know, all those things that, you know, everyone's just been super amazing um, sharing, you know, which is, it was unusual when I started out my career, that didn't happen. Um, so, and I am like the biggest sharer, like you could ask me anything and I'll give it to you. (laughs) I love that. And and it's funny. I mean, do you ever worry when you talk about that? Cause it's always fascinating to me when I speak to, uh, someone with your platform, right, Karen, you're like, Hey, I'll share anything. Where does that come from? Like at the, any any fear of competition, any fear that people are going to steal your ideas or your, yep. you know, how you run your business? You know, I think, you know, if someone wants to like copy my designs, I do think that that's the biggest form of, of flattery. <laughs> I do. I think, you know, like that it makes me feel like, wow, like someone thought that that was a great idea and they're doing it. Um, and I, you know, as long as I do it first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um No, but all kidding aside, I, this is my theory on it. I think that there's always enough business to go around for everybody. And I am at a point where I am definitely confident in my abilities and my designs that like, you know, I don't feel like I'm in competition with, with people and I support people in my industry. It should be that way, you know? Like, good for you. You got an amazing project and you're killing it. Like, that's amazing. It's like, it should be a motivator, not um, not like a competition or jealousy between peers, you know? And if I could help, I, I would love to help. Why not? You know? Yeah. And, and I'll give you um, some kudos here, Karis, that when I reach out to you, what's funny is that like, even when I spoke to you, I mean, it, you have, and, and I would imagine that the confidence has come from this amazing career and experience, right? And education. And, you, and you've learned these things. Cause when I reach out, you're like, yeah, I'm in, let's do it. And I don't need any questions. Just like, just I, go at it, you know, let's chat. And so that not, not everyone's that way. They're not so receptive. And I think those that are, it just speaks your success because, you know, without, you know, catering to just maybe your lane, you know, by opening that up, it op- opens up other opportunities. I think a lot of people miss that the collaboration can open up other opportunities, you know, and it's confidence isn't an ego. It's just, Hey, I've built this brand. I've built this career and now I'm willing to share. And, you know, I, I understand the value of these relationships down the road. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I just, I feel like I've always had this like weird confidence thing about me too, from like a young age. <laughs> Um, And I always like try to tell my kids, I'm like, I just, you know, like nothing's stopping you except for yourself when it comes to things. And I'm, you know, I'm just like, you want to do something like you go and you get it. Like very early in my career, I started my very first business, like probably not having enough experience in the design world. And I'm like, someone gave me this advice. And I was like in high school who also did some like design work and they were like, you fake it till you make it. Like you want it to happen, you make it happen. And, you know, people need to put themselves in that mindset that anything could be done if you're passionate and you want it, you go get it, you know? So I don't know. And I think it, it's confidence, but it's also, I don't know. I just have like a, I, it's definitely like a drive that I've, that I've always had. It's just like, and- it, <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. It's funny to term fake it to make it. Cause I've given that term a lot of thought to over the years. And what I've seen is that there, there is some, yeah, fake it to make it. Maybe you're portraying something and you're not there. You're kind of building to that, but the reality is you have a vision, right? You have a goal, whatever that may be a vision board for some people, or, you know, you, you know, where you want to take your company or career to that level. And the reality is there's stepping stones. So it's yeah. fake it to make it, but if there's hard work, there's determination, there's okay. networking, there's relationships. Yeah. And so you know where you want to be. You're going to build to that point, and you just have to keep doing it. And a lot of people just are afraid to take that plunge. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows, and they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. 
And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. They're, their company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. For those of you that have listened to the podcast, you know how big of a fan we are of Build-A-Trend and that we have used this software for the last four years. And many of the guests that we've brought on the podcast are also Build-A-Trend users. And in this day and age, with as busy as all of us are in construction, as complicated as it is with escalation pricing, lead times, tracking, organization, all of us need a good project management software to help simplify and organize our business. And there are a couple features that we love a ton about Build-A-Trend. And one is the owner portal. The other is the daily logs. And these are features that we use daily, right? Half of my clients are out of state. And as an owner, it is so imperative how we communicate with our clients, with our team, with our customers. And through Build-A-Trend, this allows us that quick connection. They can check at any time. We can communicate with them. We're up to date. This has actually helped us win jobs, win projects because of that organization, especially at pre-construction. And Build-A-Trend also offers a ton of service on the back end, training and understanding and workshops you know, to help us use our software effectively. They also have the podcast, The Building Code. To learn more, head to buildertrend.com backslash AFT to get a 60-day money-back guarantee on your Build-A-Trend account. That's 60 days to make sure you love this product with no pressure, and I know you will. I so, so, so let me ask you this outside of fear. I mean, your career is interesting because, you know, now I see, you know, especially now with Instagram, house, you know, social media, TikTok, there, there, there is a resurgence, you know, for, and, and I'll speak to a construction, for construction we're dealing with, you know, keep the craft alive. There's no trade schools anymore in high school. Everyone's pushed like you have to go to college and get this four-year degree. And now with construction, I, I see a younger generation that's, enthused about the trades they see like stuff we're posting and clients are doing in these projects and they're like you know these how-to videos on everything from trim carpentry to framing to anything and people are getting engaged again and for design i've seen that but years ago before social media you know that there's a lot of designers that said i didn't even know i could make money doing this right being a creator i mean how did you know career path wise this was what you wanted to do you know from such a young age I didn't. I, I I kind of found my path. So I, like I said, I wanted to be a fine artist. I was a sculptor when I was younger and I was very sculpting. I won awards for it and I was deterred. Um, so I was like, all right, what's next? Like design school, I'll go to, you know, fashion. Cause I was like, I love fashion. And when I went to FIT and like half a semester in, I was like, this is not what I want to do. My <laughs> is miserable. And I was like, I told my parents, I was like, I am quitting school. I'm like, I'm out. I'm done. And they were like freaking out. What? What do you mean? I was like, I can't do this. I hate it. I'm going to get a job in the garment center. This is what I told them in New York, you know, and they were freaking out. Like if my kid told me that, I'd be like, oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> and <laughs> tortured them. And believe it or not, a family member, an aunt of mine who lived in the city, she's like, Kara, she's like, you should go look at this school, New York School of Interior Design. She's like, you always, you know, were like designing your parents' house and your room. You have such good style. Like I could see you like having a fit. So like with this school. So I was like, interesting. So I'm like, okay. I think my parents definitely were like, yeah, you need to like get back into school and, you know, get get some kind of education going and 
it was, I don't know, I guess it was just fate and all the things. And I got in, you know, I literally whipped together a portfolio and interviewed. I got in and the second, like, I walked into my first class, I was like, it was like this holy moment. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> and, you know, it just all aligned for me. It was like, this is what I'm meant to do. And I knew it, like, right away. It was every class and I geeked out on it completely. I had like amazing grades. I was up all night working all the time on my projects. It was like, I was so passionate about it, you know, as soon as I found it um, and haven't stopped since basically. So that's the beginning of how I got aligned with, with working in this industry. So, at, you know, after college, after you did interior design school, you mentioned that you thought about going into architecture school, possibly. You ended up not doing that. Why did you not end up going to architecture school? Um, I did not because I had a really amazing opportunity to work for an incredible design firm. You know, they were like a top 100 AD firm, and it was like, you know, a really amazing opportunity. So I just, I started my career, and then, you know, it just like, took off and went and I haven't stopped since. And I never went back to school, but you know, I, um, but, yeah. Yeah. But you have the experience. I mean, you've been working with architects and now you're involved in the entire design, you know, yeah. to, to this day. So it, you mentioned also back in 2016, when you had a partner, you mentioned you had some other partnerships, you know, difficulties of having a partner, you know, understanding, you know, because it's one thing to be extremely talented in design and construction but it's another thing to run your business which is like can yeah. be really difficult cash flow people hiring right totally. you know all the things we we balance you know how how has that made an impact just the business sense of running a design firm so i believe it or not i love the business side of my business too and i also find it very creative um, if that's like a thing to be creative in business, I, I do, I, I love it. I love, um, all of it, you know, how it's run streamlining, you know, the accounting part, um, all of it, the marketing part that goes into it, I'm very into and, yeah, I never thought if you, if you told me as like my young like 20 year old self that I would love business. I would say you're nuts. You're crazy. What? But yeah, I mean, I, it's something that I got thrown into starting my first business and I don't have any business background, but, um, you know, I learned it's the same thing as like, you know, on job experience, you have to put it together and I wanted it and I made it happen and have learned and thank God have surrounded myself with like amazing people from accountant, bookkeeper, lawyer, um, business coaches, all sorts of sources, you know? So, yeah. Well, it's interesting because you, you mentioned the creative side of business and, you know, it's one thing, you know, this is something I give a lot of thought. I said, as a builder, and I think design can relate to this. A lot of our businesses, it's a fee business, right? So mm -hmm. whether you're cost plus or lump sum or as a designer, you're building hourly or per square foot, like there's a fee associated with the service that we're providing, right? And the ownership and management. Um, but again, you know, that can fluctuate, right? Market can dictate certain things, opportunity, clientele, you know, the, the brand we built. And so there's always, well, how can we still be in our lane, but be versatile, right? How can we create revenue streams? Mm -hmm. And this is what you alluded to earlier in the conversation that the creativity I'd imagine is okay. I have my brand as a designer, but now we're working with manufacturing, creating product lines and licensing deals and social media opportunities. And so it's just, I would imagine that energizes you to see all these different aspects that can now help build the brand together. 100%, 100%, like that it's not just one thing. It's so multifaceted, like you said, um, and it, it's exciting. It excites me, you know, and like, I don't know. I just, I, I love being creative with different opportunities too. Like how can we, I, I always think of things like, why does everything have to be like standard ways? So like, I'm always thinking like, 
a business opportunity or something like let's do something that's like, you know, isn't in like the regular lane with everyone. Like, let's veer off. Let's explore. Let's see. You know, it's how I conduct in business sometimes with, you know, trying to be creative with it as well as design, you know. So So. any solutions on hiring? Because that seems to be a a constant challenge. Many people are having in every industry. So what's your secret to success with hiring? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it definitely is. I would say that that is probably the hardest um, aspect of, of, of our business, right. Is you could hire people, but you want to hire good people. And that is what is very hard to come by. Um, it's, it's a tough one. There really is no exact answer for that. And I wish that there was because I would want to know, but, um, I'm actually excited. We just hired somebody. Thank God we found a good one. We just hired another senior designer who's starting on Monday. So I'm excited about that. But it's like very rare, you know. And I, one thing that I do always is I trial people before they're hired because I think it's super important to see them. Because in my career, sometimes people give the most amazing interviews and you're like rock star. And then you get them in the office and to work and you're just like, no, this isn't cutting it. This is not, you know, what they what they said they were. And, you know, some people could talk very well, but then when you, you know, they just can't perform. And I found the opposite. Some people don't interview great, but you go off your instinct and your gut and you get them in and they're amazing. So um, I I definitely trial for several days, if not a week, and see them in action, throw them all different you know, um, tasks to work on to see that they could handle things. And yeah. And I always say, you know, I, I, I think it takes like three months for people to really acclimate to how you work, how you function, um, to kind of like get on board with, with your office. And I give them that and then past that point, if it's still not, you know, cutting it, I, you know, sometimes have to let people go, which is unfortunate, but it's been a struggle because with COVID and this industry is so busy, you know, all of us have gone through like our craziest, most amazing time that, you know, I'm so grateful for too. But, um, so everyone, you know, all the good people are snatched up and there's, you know, and it's hard to find them because they're all hired, but, um, yeah. So when you find someone good, you got to hold on to them and you have to treat them very well and all those things. It's interesting you say that because when I think about um, the training aspect, right, continuing education is so important. You mentioned this for design. I know for construction, you know, what, what tends to happen, at least, you know, as I apply it to my industry or, or my company specifically, is I have my superintendents that are out there running these projects and they're all having different experiences. They're having different pitfalls or whether they be mistakes or successes and not all of the information is always transpired with everybody, right? And so we try to have these uh, these production meetings together. And and where I'm going is that what I have is my senior construction manager who's very skilled and versed in construction. Like he's created almost like you're in, in high school again. He creates this like this test, right? And there's like, 30 questions. And so we'll sit in the production meeting, we hand out this paperwork and it's just, okay, on, on this client's project, you know, what is the finished grade, you know, at the finished floor? Okay. On this house, what is, you know, the depth of the footing on the first lift of retaining walls. And so we sit there and we watch these guys and it's not to, to compare them to each other, but they have to go through the plans and find this information. What we found is that by doing this, it really helps them advance, right? To, to read plans and understand the details of construction, which is really important. And, and we've applied this to the hiring process that now instead of like me just interviewing, right? Because this is, as you mentioned, it's hard because people can say something on a resume, but when they come in, I'll have them go in the field with my director of operations and my senior construction manager, and they almost take the same quiz or they'll walk them through a house and say, okay, what do you see? Right. And, and what you, yeah, you find you get the right people because it's one thing to say, I know the software I've been in construction, but have you really managed? Do you really know the details? Because I, and, and more importantly, I mean, I think about the culture side that we can teach these things, right? But 
do they have the personality? Do they have the can do? They have the client, um, you know, the, the personality to get along with clients. It can be difficult. It's a very emotional process, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think personality, so, so, personality is definitely a big part of it too. Yeah. Because in your side, how the personality, I look at the company culture side, personality is such a big component because especially in design, it's so personal. I mean, you mentioned, I've heard this said, you know, finishes don't have feelings. You're going to give your opinion, your expertise, but they may take it. They may not. You're not going to be really pushy, but you still have to learn that balance and how to deal with, with, you know, tough situations that come up in the design business. 100%. And they come up all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so we, <laughs> now more than ever. Right. It's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, all those things are so important. It's like, it's just, yeah, finding the the perfect mixture and and someone that's perfect for you might not be perfect for me and vice versa, right? Because like we all work differently. So, so yeah. what do you find most reward? Yeah, what do you find most rewarding about owning your own company? Um, the most rewarding part is that I mean, it just I would just say ultimate freedom, right? And I think that goes across the board: freedom to hire clients, you know, like bring on clients that I want, work with the people that I want so I can enjoy more what I'm doing. Um, you know, I've always been a person that kind of like beats my own drum. So like working for someone else is definitely not the greatest thing for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> being told what to do. Although I could follow a task, but I, I was a very good um employee when I, when I did work for people, but you know, it's just the ultimate freedom of everything, right? Like putting out what I want out there, working with vendors and things and just, you know, it's me, it's, I, I make it or break it. Right. So well, it's interesting. Cause yeah, I, yeah, I've often thought about this because people talk about owning your own business and, and you and I both know, like there's so much stress and anxiety that comes from owning your business. And you're always constantly thinking about, Where's the next sale? Where you know business development, the cash flow, you know the, the the complications that could come up. You mentioned having a legal team. I mean, we have to unfortunately because things arise rather from so many different avenues of what we do. Um, but but what I thought was interesting because maybe this is the definition of success. That like when you say, "Well, are you successful?" Well, success to you may be different for me. I mean, for some people, it's it's time. Some people, it's like personal wealth. You know, but I think more than anything, it's options, right? And you know, to your point that you said that you have the flexibility and options. When I was early in my career working for another contractor, it was really tough working in pre-construction and estimating because there'd be someone that I want to give the job to that's worked hard and earned it. And then for political reasons or relationships, the owner would say, nope, we're hiring so-and-so. And you're like, okay, well, right. you know, so much for building this. But as an owner, you have that flexibility to say, no, we're, this is how we're going to run our business. This is how we're going to do this. And so I love the option that, you know, all of us are trying to create options. And I think that's the easiest way to define success is when you have options, right? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I, I do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's definitely also obviously like the stresses, there's highs and lows with everything, but it's all mine. So there's nothing better than that, right? To say that it's, it's yours and you know, to see what you created or, you know, I just, all of it. Well, how do you find balance? How do you find balance? Cause I mean, it's not like you just have your design business care. I mean, <laughs> you know, from family life to everything yeah. else, you know, how do you find balance with everything on your plate? Oh God. You know, I'm the person <laughs> that functions better when I have like 5,000 things on my plate versus like one, you know? Like, that's just like, I, the more I have, the better I run. Um, I do, I, thank God I have an incredible team supporting me, you know, and it's taken me a long time to be able to like, be a bit less of a control freak over things and really trusting and having these amazing people that I've kind of groomed, you know, in my style, my way of, of working and all those things. So like, that's been such an amazing thing. Um, but I do, and I try, like, in my office, unless there's, like, a crazy meeting that we're going for, I think also, you know, going through the pandemic and everything, balance, right? Everyone was like, ah, oh, like, working from home and all these things. And, you know, it's 
I realize, realize that for myself and want that also for people who work for me to feel good about coming into work and feeling a balance of life. And, you know, some of my employees are full-time remote, some are hybrid and some are full-time in my office, but, um, I don't know. I just think that balance, I try to cut myself off at like the end of the day at a reasonable time. So then I could go and be with my husband, be with my, my children. Um, I try to, you know, when I can squeeze in trips and family time and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that. And everyone's like, my clients are understanding and great because, you know, they want to do the same things and, you just make it happen, you know, you just make it happen. So do you ever, and then maybe this goes back to the hiring side. Do you ever find uh, any pushback or challenges, as you mentioned, where some of your staff is full-time remote, some of them are hybrids and some are in the office. Do you ever fight that comparison between them or how have you dealt just with that communication? No, there's never been a fight or issue with that, you know, so thank God. And that's really good. It, yeah, <laughs> I know. It just shows that you set an amazing business where you can kind of have these different, yeah, uh, you know, roles, if you will. Yeah. And I, I would, you know, system-wise, like, what are you doing system-wise to organize, you know, job leads, to actual jobs in production, you know, to manage, do we have to hire, you know, where are we at, you know, to make sure everyone's not too busy, you know, how, how's that structure running? Well, <laughs> that's a work in progress because we are busy, but, and it is hard to find people, but, um, yeah, I mean, I only take on a certain amount of work, uh, like per year of what I could handle. I know what I could handle and what my team could handle and anything more than that. I mean, I do turn jobs down a lot, you know, like over the past year, I've turned a lot of work down because we were at capacity. And there's just so many hours in the day and so much work that we could take on, um, you know, and had to, it sucked that I had to push work away, but I did. Um, and I will, you know, continuously if I have too much on my plate so I can still have balance and that, you know, I'm not killing people that are working for me. Um, you know, we have a pretty well run machine, you know, in our office, it's like a well oiled machine. Um, as far as like the programs and things that we use and how we function and work on projects. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, again, I think being in this career for as long as I have been, it's kind of, we've streamlined it to, to work, you know, I've been through, a lot of learning um, lessons and process through the years to really know how to gauge things and, um, you know, how my office functions best. Well, well, it's interesting because not to divert here, but one thing I had to ask you about because I asked you about the product line, but your press, <laughs> you know, the, the amount of press you've had, Kara, is out of this world. And just there's too many to name, but I mean, from Forbes to Modern Luxury Deluxe, The House Beautiful, Veranda, Domino, right? Vogue, GQ. I mean, your your plethora of publications and editorials, you know, it, it, it just is a testament to the business you built, right? Your design acumen, the education, the time behind it. Again, how have these opportunities opened up, you know, from the press side where people are like, Kara, we need to speak, we need to publish, you know, these amazing designs that you're doing? Um, that's also a mixed bag. Everything's a mixed bag. <laughs> you know, before I I hired PR to help me out, um, either I did some reaching out, you know, so people knew who I was if they didn't know already. And a friend of mine who's a photographer, she was like, this is years and years ago. She's like, Kara, she's like, buy all the magazines you want to be in. And look at all the editors and it's all public information. You could get their emails and just send them a press kit and, you know, like get on their radar. And I was like, really? I'm like, you could do that? And she's like, yes. So we did. And that's, you know, how a few things got started, you know, being able to do that and put my name there. I think also like going to different events and making sure you support magazines um, 
and get on those guest lists and do some networking and be out there so people know your face, they know your name. And now, fortunate enough, you know, I have PR that is supporting and helping me and getting me a lot more press, you know. But again, it's all been this like journey, this gradual build up journey. It definitely did not happen overnight. So so for people that are aspiring to bear care of Woodhouse, whether they're a builder, architect, designer, uh, you know, without divulging your press kit, like everything that entails, you know, just simple things. Like if I were to put together a press kit, what, what should that include? You know, how's that formatted? Just like a little basic. One-on-one. Is, you know, a photo of you so people know who you are and a, basically like a small like profile of who you are, what you do and some imagery of your work, like your best work. That's amazing. And so how long, how long have you been working with your PR firm? So I actually recently, um, I was working with a PR firm that we recently parted ways and I'm now working with a new PR firm, which is very brand new. We're only like a few weeks in and luckily they've got me some stuff already going and, um, yeah. So, but I've been working with PR for over the past, I want to say three years. Like That's amazing. Years. And so, and, and this is one of those things. I know it's a fine line. Any business starting out, you know, they may not financially be in a position to hire a PR firm, but value wise, I mean, you can, you, you've attested to it on this podcast is I, I would imagine there's been a cost, but you've seen the value and the upside of, of having that in your back pocket. Definitely. I think if you, I know it's it's a expense that not everybody can afford, you know, also being new in the industry. I couldn't afford it really when I was starting out. So I, I, I not, you know, living in this kind of <laughs> place where like, just get PR, but you can get PR yourself. Like I did it, you know, in the beginning and part of PR is also social media and, you know, putting yourself out there. I also have had magazines reach out to me and, and say, listen, like I'm an editor. If you have any work, send me, I want to see, you know, try to get a meeting with an editor, go, go get out there. You want to be in a magazine, make it happen. You know, like sitting back on your sofa in your living room, doing nothing is not going to get you inside a door. I think, you know, if it's something you want, go after it. There's ways that you could do it without PR, without hiring someone, you know? So I actually, um, Jen Talbot, who's another designer, we, we did a whole talk about this because she also like get, she doesn't have a PR team and she, all of her features and everything she's gotten on her own. So it's something that could be for sure. You know, I love that because the reality is, Kara, I mean, it's easy to sit behind and look at like this amazing list you have of, of publications and editorials you've had. But as you mentioned, it's, these don't come by happenstance, right? Like you're being aggressive, you're pursuing these opportunities and so many of us sit in our low box waiting for it to happen, but it never will. We have to make that effort ourselves. So do it. You want it? You like, have to do it. You make that happen. Yeah. So what do you do for fun? Oh, what do I do? Like relax. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, my biggest joy is I have a very close knit family. Um, I'm like very lucky that my, all my best friends are my siblings and their significant others. And we're always like hanging out and doing stuff together. I love to travel. Um, and my kids are like my biggest joy. My husband, obviously, you know, but I'm pretty chill. Like as, as, um, you know, I have all this stuff on my plate and I'm always going and doing work and it is such like a massive part of my life. I, I'm like a very laid back, chill person when it comes to like my downtime, you know, I'm definitely not, like, I love that. I'm not the adventurer. I'm not like skydiving <laughs> and like, I don't know, like <laughs> and my husband and I are, we both have fears of like, you know, being in deep bodies of water and heights. So, you know, we're not that our adventure is in like travel and exploring kind of like that. Yeah. And just like, yeah, just like chilling out, you know? 
I love it. So what do you have that's upcoming and exciting? Well, I'm right. I'm in the mix of coming out with a book. We're like wow. in line phase right now. Um, so yeah. So that's, that's really big news actually. Yeah. I'm very excited. And um, it's not just like a pretty table um, tabletop book. It is going to be like meaty information as well as pretty, but um, really just I'm excited about it. So that's on the horizon. I'm coming out with a rug collection with rug art there in New York. So that's going to be coming out in the fall and some other fun, exciting things coming on the horizon. There's, you know, lots of stuff going on, but, um, but yeah. Well, I, well you've been amazing care and I, and I, and I'm excited to follow along your journey. I mean, you've had some amazing success and it's well-deserved and, you yeah. know, for those listening, where can our listeners find you? Um, so my Instagram obviously is like the best spot to see what's going on. It's at Kara Woodhouse Interiors. Um, I also have an online publication that's at Kara Woodhouse Collective. That's like kind of all lifestyle and, um, have some amazing writers and stuff and great stories and content there. And then my website is just karawoodhouse.com. Yeah. Well, We'll make sure we have all those tagged below. And Kara, I know you're beyond busy as we, you know, throughout this conversation. So I really appreciate making time to come on and share. Of course, all your expertise. So fun! I loved it. So thank you. Thank Thanks, Kara. All right. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes. They're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.